thank Pastor Steve for allowing me to speak to you today as we uh, dive back into a message about I love my church. This will be part four of the message. And just kind of fill in a little bit. We started off with what is the church and why should we love? Then we talked about the beauty of giving is today's message. We talked about the power of the church. We talked about the foundation of the church. And Pastor Steve preached last week, not this Pastor Steve, that Pastor Steve, Steve Squared, but he preached on why the church? What is a church? And why is a church important to us? Let's watch this video. One morning I walked into a church, but it wasn't on a Sunday. I looked around and I saw the empty seats, the sun glistening through the dust in the air. At first I was distraught at the sight of the empty chairs, but then I was filled with joy. I realized that the people who were once in those chairs were now outside of the building, working at their jobs, serving in their communities, laughing with their co-workers and growing with their families. They had the opportunity to be the church, not just sit in it. When will we be like them? When will we see the opportunity given to us? to be the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing hope into the world. Stained glass can't pray for the sick. These walls can't preach the gospel, but you can. The building you're sitting in is just a building. But if you trust in Jesus, then you are the church. Amen. And y'all have heard me say it many times that, you know, we have, we have to be the church. We have to be the hands and feet of Christ. We have to be the people who serve our living God. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open to Acts chapter 4, we're going to read verses 32 through 35. A message is based on Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. But before I go any further and start the Bible reading, I want to give you a little background on what we're talking about. You know, we all have bank accounts. And we put money in our bank account, and we don't tell people what our account number is or what our routing number is. Well, we used to not do that. In today's society, that's how you live, right? You give all that information to some strange company so they can access your bank account. But what is a bank account? It's a treasure test. And, you know, there's, when we dive into the scripture, we talk about what the disciples were doing. You see, they waited on God as Jesus told them to. They waited for the Holy Spirit to arrive. And then once it arrived, they became on fire for God. And the church just exploded. So how did they do that? Well, they did it because they didn't care who got the credit. They didn't care what church you went to. They didn't care what name it was in front of your church. They cared about spreading the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. They pulled all their resources and made sure that there was no one in need. If they found about a need, they took care of it. Read with me real quick. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Keep reading. That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses and sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Anyone who had need. Amen. You know, we we live in a world where possession is part of the game. I mean, how many of you know how much a Bugatti costs? More than we will probably ever make in our lifetime. Or McLaurin. My wife used to say people that drove Hummers had more money than brains. The thing is, is that materialistic possessions are not going to go with you to heaven or hell. Materialistic possessions don't do anything other than satisfy your needs. So when we look at the church... We need to look at what the church was founded on, and that was to spread the gospel. You know, y'all know what this is. This is a treasure chest, right? And it's full. It's got money. It's open. You know, people talk about X marks the spot. The treasure chest is full. We need to understand that we are God's treasure chest. God has blessed us with gifts immeasurable and we aren't supposed to put it in a lockbox and it's not empty this is what the church can do is the church can fill this box but what you can't do is you can't lock it up you can't store it and say i'm going to use this later because you're not promised one more moment on this earth So when you think about the treasure chest and the materialistic world that we live in, these treasures we hang on to, we do it not for the pleasure of hoarding, but we do it because we're unsure, we're uncertain about the future. We all know that the economy uh, goes up and goes down and COVID came and went, and now supposedly it's coming back again and it's going to be even worse this time. And you know what? You can spend your life living in fear of something, of the unknown, or you can spend your life worshiping God. As for me and my house, I choose to serve the Lord. Amen? How many of you know the movie Finding Nemo? This is today's society. You ready? This is today's society. Okay, you know, maybe not shout, would you just shut up at somebody, but those seagulls, and if you've ever been to the beach and you've seen the seagulls, you know, they're, they're just like that. They're just like, did he drop something? Did he drop something? Where, where did it go? Where did it go? Did he drop something? Did he drop something? You know, it, it's the natural thing. They, they're scavengers, right? My wife and I are in Hawaii and we're, we're enjoying our vacation and we're eating out on an outdoor restaurant and I got up to 
go wash my hands and she got up to pay the bill and there were like some french fries sitting there and we came back and there's this horde of birds just all around picking all the fries away and they picked it clean and people were laughing going well i guess you just lost your french fries and i'm like yeah you know what french fries aren't that healthy for you and they need food so why not this poor little old rooster couldn't really fly so we kept throwing him food and the other birds would beat him to it what are we seeing in this scripture when we go back to the scripture read it again and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul not any of them claimed anything belonging to them as their own that's verse 32 and 33 so the first thing i want you to do church to become more powerful is i want you to release your grip you ever try to take money from a toddler you ever try to take a toy from a toddler mine mine i love bill cosby who says give it to her she has stuff that belongs to me too kids are very possession we have a belgian malinois i don't know if he's figured out that when we leave we are going to come back because when we come, you came back and he's tail wagging and you know dogs are so loving like that and then he he literally follows us around the house you know if we're in the shower he lays down in the bathroom if we're in the bedroom he lays down right where annette can't get out of the bed you know if we're in the kitchen he lays down by the door like you're not leaving again are you dogs are wonderful dogs never release their grip i had to literally pry open his mouth there was a dog i was walking my dog and i had my earbuds in i was zoning out listening to some toby mac and everything else and all of a sudden ace just took off and i'm like well where are you going and this dog had come out of the owner's house and he'd come straight for me and ace pinned him and had him by the collar pinned to the ground and i'm literally trying to pull the jowls of this belgian malinois which is a very strong dog pull his mouth open to make him let go and i was mad at him for doing that and then it dawned on me he was doing what he does naturally he was protecting me that's what god does that's who god is sometimes we don't understand lord i'm late i just don't understand why i can't get to church on time or why i can't do this on time and then as we're coming to church we see a massive accident that happened five minutes ago and then we realize that if we had been on time we might have been in the middle of that accident true story september 10th 2001 i called my client in new york and said listen i've got a really bad sinus infection i'm not coming up tomorrow can we reschedule and he said great because i wanted to take my kids to school tomorrow so i wasn't where i was supposed to be and he wasn't where he was supposed to be and where i was supposed to be was 233 broadway which is lower manhattan which is right at ground zero you see god knew god knew sometimes we have to learn to trust god pastor steve and i were talking this morning about you know sickness and infirmity and you know there's there's a a, a time when people say well god will never give you more than you can bear and at some time i was thinking that well, that's not really true but pastor steve corrected me and he said you know what are you calling god a liar because if god gave it to you there's a reason he gave it to you and he knows what he's doing so we have to accept what god does because he's omnipotent he knows more about our life than we will ever know and he knows more about our circumstances than we will ever know but i'm off topic and y'all are not shocked right oh look a kitty 
Release your grip. The first church had a loose grip on everything. They didn't count possessions. They didn't count members. They didn't count, you know, buildings. They met in an upper room. Often they would just meet in the stairs of the temple. They didn't worry about materialistic possessions. They loosened their grip on money. They loosened their grip on things that they needed because they felt like if I need it, if I have it and you need it, then come take it. I was sharing a story about the last hurricane and I had a, a generator. And of course, you know, our neighborhood, all the cables are buried. So we get power back pretty quickly, you know, and it was out for about a day or two, but we got it up and running and I had the generator and my neighbor didn't have one. So we ran an extension cord across the fence line to my neighbor. So they, they had five kids. I wanted to make sure they had it. And when our power came back on, uh, some neighbors, friends of ours from another church called and said, we don't have power. Do you have a generator? I'm like, come get it. And they came and picked it up, and they said, hey, this friend of ours on the west side doesn't have power. So my generator went around 295. It literally went around 295. It went from my house to the ocean way to west side to Mandarin and back to my house. And you know what? I don't care. I had it. They needed it. Come get it. That's what the church needs to do. We've got it. You need it. Come get it. Loosen your grip. The first church had a loose grip. They didn't count things as their own. We live in that materialistic possession where everybody's got to have a new car every two or three years. My dad has a car that's 25 years old. My wife's parents have a car that's almost as old as our son. And they don't feel the need to go out and buy a new car because the car they have works. And the car they're driving, they don't judge their status by driving a car. Loosen your grip. The truth is, it's not yours. It never was. It did not belong to you. God allowed you to have it. Remember the story of the master who gave three of his servants talents? He gave one ten talents. He gave one five talents. He gave one one talent. The one with ten talents went out and invested it and made ten talents more. And the master came back and he said, I'm back. He goes, Master, I invested your 10 talents. Here's 10 talents more. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second one had five talents. He invested it. He got five more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The third one said, Master, I know that you're a hard man who takes what he doesn't earn and everything else, so I buried your talent, and here it is. And he called him out. He said, you wicked servant. If you knew I was like that, why didn't you at least invest it in a bank so I could draw interest? Depart from me. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten. When you're talking about talents and you're talking about giving to the church, it's not tithes and offerings. If you can bang a nail, you've got talent to serve the church. If you can sit on a riding mower... You've got talent that can serve the church. If you can shake people's hands, you've got talent that can serve the church. It's not just the pastor. Pastor Steve and I both, we, we look at ourselves as the pastor and the, the internet guy and the tech guy and the sound guy and the mowing guy and the groundskeeper and the maintenance guy, etc. Because that's our calling. But giving to the church starts with giving of your talents. 
It belongs to God, and He has chosen to invest it in you. When I was growing up, my parents knew I could sing, and I started singing at a very young age and learned the guitar at fourth grade and quit because I was bored. And I was telling Steve, I wish I'd kept serious. I wish I'd learned how to play the piano. You know, life is full of regrets if you never live. Amen? Life is full of regrets if you never live. God gave you the talent for you to use it for His glory and His kingdom. Not for you to keep it to yourself. If you had the world's greatest secret, would you keep it to yourself or would you share it with everybody? Well, you have the world's greatest secret. And the world's greatest secret is, this is not our home. None of us are going to live in our house forever. None of us are going to drive our car forever. We are not here permanently. We're just passing through. And waiting on us is something so much better. So much better. How you use that gift, how you use the gifts that God has given you to give to others is your return on his investment. His return is how we love others with what we are given. Kyle dropped off a little plaque at my front door one day. It says, a good coach can change a game a great coach can change a life it took me a long time to figure out who left that on my door i thought one of my players came by and you know kyle never fessed up to it till i finally figured it out and that plaque hangs on my wall in my classroom and you could say good coach or you could say good teacher or you could say good pastor because that's what we're in the business of is changing lives when we walk with jesus and when we talk Jesus, when we show Jesus, the world sees. I will never forget, one day I was in Lexington, Kentucky at the company I used to work for. My boss was an atheist. He looks at me, he goes, Stephen, yes sir, you're a Christian, right? And I'm like, do I have like something tattooed on my forehead or what? And I asked him, I said, well, why would you say that? He goes, well, it's just obvious. It's just obvious by your, by the way you live your life, by the way you present yourself. I want that. I don't ever want to lose that. Annette and I were diving in Kauai and I was freaking out about something and the dive master kept calling me to come down into the water and down deeper and I'm like, no, I'm running low on air. And we got out and she goes, you know, you were in the current at 15 feet. So you were blowing out through more air. If you'd have come down with us, you'd have been fine. And she looked at me and she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I'm like, again, I'm like, wait a minute. Um, you know, guys, the world sees you as Christians if you are living in Christ. Y'all know how I feel about Sunday afternoon going to restaurants. When you go to restaurants, you are living Christ. And please do not get mad at the wait staff because the food takes forever. A, it's not their fault. And B, they know where you came from. And when you get mad at them, they're, I don't want nothing to do with that church. See, that's what the apostles didn't want to have happen. They didn't want people to go, uh-uh, no, not going to do that. I don't want to belong to that church. They wanted you to understand that what they had, they wanted to freely give because it didn't belong to them. Second point is tighten your belt. Tighten your belt. We're living in times of uncertainty, amen? We're living in times where the economy goes up and down and up and down and COVID is here and gone and here and gone and the vaccines are here and gone and here and gone 
And, you know, it's a world that we don't have any control over. And when you realize that, that we don't have any control over it, but he does, it becomes more powerful. Tighten your belt. Making room in our budget to help people. As a teacher and a coach, there have been times when I've spent my entire coaching supplement on shin guards and shoes because my girls didn't have the money to buy shin guards or shoes and I'm not going to turn them away from playing soccer. I've taken kids into my home that had no place to go. I called Annette one day and said, hey, we're having dinner for five tonight. She goes, what? I said, I'm bringing somebody home. And he lived with us for a month and a half because his dad told him, hey, you're 18, you got to go. Bye. And he was going to quit school and go to work. I'm like, dude, you're not quitting school. Okay, you're going to finish high school because nobody in your family has finished high school. So you can come stay with us. Come live with us. I got room. That's providing for the church. That's providing for the members. That's providing for the society. You know, when we do a soup kitchen, we are reaching people who have nothing. Our church is located on Main Street. When Circle of Love Ministries shut down, the homeless went into the woods. And they've often come to our church, and we've found them sleeping by the door with the mat in front of the door as a cover. We found one sleeping in the pump house. Scared the living daylights out of me. I'm up setting up for sunrise service, and he walks up and says, Boy, that coffee smells good. Whoa, I'm coming, Jesus. I felt like Fred Sanford. This is a big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming to you, Elizabeth. This is a big one. Y'all remember that, right? I'm not the only one that's old enough to remember that. Amen? Yeah. But he scared me to death, half to death. We've had homeless come and sit in our pews. And, and you know, I don't want my church to go, oh. Because here's the thing. Jesus was homeless. The disciples pretty much were homeless. And society looked at them as how? Ooh, they're dirty. They're nasty. Don't be like the Pharisee in the temple. Lord, don't make me like this guy over here. No, Lord, make me like this guy over here who's so humble that he doesn't even feel like he belongs in the church. He's so grateful for the opportunity to come before a living God and pray. We need to loosen our belts so that we can help people. We are called to help one another. My phone is on 24-7. My church knows this. My team knows this. My coaches know this. My wife will tell you it's no big deal for me to get a phone call at 1 o'clock in the morning. Hey, can you talk? Well, yeah. Or the first question is, are you awake? Why do people ask you that when they call you? Are you awake? Yes. Did I wake you? No, the ringing of the phone woke me. When Christina was stationed in Okinawa, Okinawa is 12 hours ahead of us. And she would be at work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and she would get bored. So she would call us and say, what you doing? My wife even bought her a watch that tells her what time it is in Jacksonville. And she would still call, what you doing? Sleeping, Christina. That's what people do at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Christina, what time is it there? It's 3 o'clock. Okay, well, add 12. 
But the thing is, my daughters know, my sons know, my members of my church know, my family knows, my kids that I teach know, Coach Barry is never going to turn you away. If you need to come talk to me, come talk to me. That's the church. That's what the church needs to be. That's the living church of God. It's not four walls and a roof. It's not people that look like they've been sucking on green persimmons and they're like, okay, we're here today at church, but I'm not going to pay attention. No. I don't like that. What he said, I don't agree with. Okay, let's talk. If you don't agree with what I said, let's talk. Don't walk away mad. Let's talk. Let's figure it out. I don't know everything. I'm not that smart. My kids will never let me live that one down. It doesn't have to be money. You know, when we talk about giving to the church, the first thing people hear is, oh gosh, here comes another sermon about money. Oh, I wish they'd stop talking about money. That's all they ever talk about is money. Money, 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 money. Why don't they use that money for something else? I'm like, are you watching what we're doing with the money? Are you seeing the ministries that we're doing? Everything takes a little bit of money. But here's a newsflash. It's not all about money. It could be about time. You know, Larry gets here first thing and he meets with Pastor Steve and they worship together. The ladies get together in the, in the building next to us at our church and they have Bible study. We have one member that lives in New Hampshire and she's still a member, so we call her Dottie in the Box. Because we call her on the cell phone. And here's the thing. She loves being a part of the church, even from a thousand miles away. See, some people look at a church membership as the university club used to be. Y'all remember the university club? Top of the Gulf Life Tower, which is no longer the Gulf Life Tower because there's no longer Gulf Life. There's no longer university club. I remember the first time I joined the university club, I'm sitting there going, wow, these people are stuffy. We have churches like that. We have churches where you walk in and it's like, you're in my seat. Okay, I'll move. No seats assigned. There's no assigned seats. You don't own that pew. That's God's pew. If they're sitting there, it's where God told them to sit. It's like going to Chick-fil-A and getting the wrong order. That's what God wanted you to have. Okay? Just because you got a double quarter pound. No, you can't do that at Chick-fil-A. They don't serve double quarter pounders. But if you go to Chick-fil-A and they mess up on your order, don't blame them. Just thank God. Okay, Lord, I understand. I needed the grilled chicken, not the fried chicken. I get it, Lord. Give it away. Give it away. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. Michael W. Smith used to have a song back in the 80s. Still has a song. Michael W. Smith had a song back in the 80s. Love isn't love until you give it away. Think about that for a minute. Love isn't love until you give it away. When you walk down this aisle, I remember the day Annette and I got married when she appeared at the aisle. I was so in awe at her beauty. Not that I didn't think she was beautiful before, but she was about to become my wife. And this flood of emotions ran through me about the love that I have for my wife and how God's love is unmatched 
And as she's walking down the aisle, all I'm thinking about is how beautiful she is and how God blessed me with a Proverbs 31 woman. And then she got to the end, and the pastor says, Who gives this woman away? And her father said, Her mother and I do. And I'm just standing there going, Wow, she's so beautiful. And she's going to be my wife. And she looked at me, and I looked at her. And she looked at me, and I looked at her. And she looked at me, and I looked at her. She said, Come get me. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was mad at me July 31st this year because we had to hike down this long, winding, rocky, craggly path to get to the beach to renew our vows. And she was mad because she didn't have hiking boots, but I knew if I'd have told her to wear hiking boots, she wouldn't have worn her dress. It was worth it, though, wasn't it? It was beautiful. Give it away. People know about Jesus because of the love of his church. The first church showed so much love and compassion that people had to talk about him. Here's the thing. Did you know the Romans called Christians atheists? Because they didn't worship in a temple and they didn't worship a God. But yet the Romans had a God they called the unknown God. People referred to the church early as the people of the way. It wasn't until Antioch that we find the word Christians. People of the way, I think, is the way we should look at our church. We need to be people of the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And if they don't know Jesus, then we have failed as a church. There is absolutely no reason why people don't know who Jesus is and what he's done for us, except we're not telling them. We're not living it. We're not showing it. We're not exhuming that confidence, exuding that confidence that comes with the body of Christ, that glow that you have of being a Christian. And let me tell you this, being a Christian is hard. If it was easy, the whole world would do it. It has to be more, more than four walls and a roof. It can't just be this. Eastport has a radio ministry. They have an online ministry. They have a YouTube channel. They've done a great job at getting the word out. That's a church. We want to be the center of the community. Because here's a newsflash. If you weren't watching the news yesterday, this town has a lot of people who hate people because of their pigmentation. This town has a lot of people. You know, I read all the time on some of the Ocean Way posts, oh, I, I wish we could go back to the old days of Ocean Way. I'm like, so are you talking about the days when you had Klan rallies and you had sundown laws and you weren't caught on Hexer Drive after dark? Are those the days you're talking about? Because I don't want to go back to those days. Change is going to happen whether you like it or not. Growth is going to happen whether you like it or not. The thing that you can't do is go, well, you know, that's how we did it when I was young. Yes, when you were young, they didn't have cell phones. I told my class today that we are 120 years away from being nothing. 120 years ago, newspaper was it. 100 years ago, radio 50 years ago, TV. Today, we carry everything in our pocket. 
We have a video camera. We have a text message machine. We have an internet search tool. We have Bible app. We have everything you could ever imagine is available at your fingertips. All you have to do is pick up this wonderful little device. I love it when people say, I'll never get a tracking device. You have one. You don't think they know where you are? Friday, I was at Bishop Kenny, and I asked for permission to fly the drone, and I knew what they were going to say because the St. John's River is controlled by NAS jacks. The airspace along St. John's is controlled by NAS jacks because that's their flight pattern. He looked at me and said, nope. He said, you can launch the drone, but you have to launch it off property. And you know what? If I had launched a drone, they would have found me that quick, and they would have come up to me and said, sir, you need to land. You need to shut it down. You're in restricted airspace. The church has to be more than four walls and a roof. Because at the end of the day, if we're not serving our children, we're missing an opportunity. If we're not serving our elderly, we're missing an opportunity. If we're not serving our young couples, we're missing an opportunity. If we're not serving our older couples, we're missing an opportunity. If we're not serving our members and our community and our future members, and that's the way I like to look at it, our future members of the kingdom of God. See, this is not a competition. This is not a competition. People ask me when church at 1122 opened their Northside campus, what do you think? Are they going to bury you guys? Well, I happen to know the pastor. His name is Jeremy Higdon. I was a part of Oasis Church when Jeremy was in charge of Oasis. And you know what? The bottom line is, if you want to go to church at 1122, go. If you want to go to Christ Church North Campus, go. If you want to go to Chet's Creek North, go. Just go to church. Be in a church. It's important to be in a church. Because you can't grow as a Christian if you're not getting fed. Giving your time and your talents and your treasure to assure a strong and powerful church is what God has called us to do. It's what the disciples did. It's what the apostles did. They gave everything away so they could grow a strong and powerful church. How'd they do, by the way? Twelve guys, eleven, well, twelve with Matthias. Twelve guys meeting in an upper room with very little to any theological education. Didn't go to seminary. Didn't have to write a master's or a thesis. But they knew God. And, you know, people talk all the time of these twelve disciples... They walked with Jesus. Paul didn't. And Paul wrote most of the New Testament. People say all the time, well, you know, if I was alive back then, I would have accepted Jesus. How do you know? How do you know? Even the church rejected him. The people who knew what the Scripture said about the Messiah and could prove that Jesus was the Messiah still rejected him. Because see, he was radical. He was radical. We need to be more radical. We need to pray more. But not just prayer. See, prayer is something we do when we communicate to God. Action is what we do when we're serving God. Serve me with action, not with your words. Amen? Got a couple more scriptures you want to go, then we'll wrap up. The first one is 2 Corinthians 8, 8, and 9. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through he, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And that's what that song was all about. That's what that song was saying. He became man. He became mortal flesh. He was homeless. He was crucified naked. They tore off his one pe- the one possession in this world he had. They gambled it away. Buried in a borrowed tomb. But he has a crown. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And you know what, church? One day God's going to look at him and say, Go get my people. It's time to come home. Last scripture I'll give you is from Galatians 5, 22-26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in flesh with its, with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let me leave you with this thought. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I got a chance for you. Boy, do I have a deal for you. And it's absolutely free. All I want you to do is just come forward, kneel right here, pray. And I'll pray with you. Because what you'll get for that little prayer is a lifetime of eternity in glory. But I want to warn you. I want to warn you. It's not easy. You're going to have to have a study guide. You're going to have to have some rules and bylaws, and they're all found right here. Here's your study guide. A Christian, well, a a comedian once said, the Bible's not a book of don'ts, it's a book of do's. If you spend your time doing the do's, you won't have enough time to do the don'ts. I want to thank the kids for behaving today. That's such a great thing that they came and they decided to stay in the service. Grandkids are wonderful, aren't they? Miss Brenda? (laughs) I'll ask you later. Guys, you have a treasure chest. And inside that treasure chest is the richest thing you could ever put. But what I want you to do is to take that treasure chest, take the locks off, open it up, and let the world see Christ through me. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for a chance to gather together today to worship with you, to hear your word, to dive into your word. And Lord, let us not be like the seagulls, mine, 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 because it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. Let us not be so caught up in what we have that we miss what we can do. Let us not be a church that doesn't serve you first and foremost. Let us always serve you and put you first. In the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said,